my name is Christina and I have alcoholism. I, um, hello, hello. It's so good to be here. Like really, it's uh, nice to be among my favorite people, <laughs> alcoholics of all things. You know, it's just, I have found so much restoration and grace and love and friendship in these rooms. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, my so to speak a little on 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 my background i my sobriety date is january 20th of 2020 so i'm just 10 days shy shy of 18 months and i was thinking about that the other day about you know reflecting on you know time and what that means and like traveling all of these months of sobriety and how it's it's not been easy there have been really wonderful times this is work and just a brief synopsis since you know i have less than 10 minutes um you know a brief history of 18 months i think um a snapshot of me would be um how, for how it was is i i work in a hospital i work in healthcare, and i increasingly had more and more stress in my job and my life just everywhere you name it and because I, I was late to the I was late to the bar I was late to the drinking table and didn't begin to drink until like my mid-30s and as stress and work and everything else life mounted um it, I really thought I had a handle on it for a long time for a number of years and you know, there I was working in a hospital, taking care of people, actually working in a unit where I took care of a lot of alcoholics, a lot of alcoholics who, unfortunately, I, I even held the hands of as they were dying. And I thought that there was a way around that, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I have this, I have science behind me, I can get around this, I can do these things to, to avoid having those symptoms, or, and that's not what this disease is about. And it's a progressive disease and it's, it's got a terminal, it's got, it's terminal, you know, that's really the, the ending of it, but it doesn't have to be. And that's what's so beautiful about this program. So, you know, traveling through that 18 months, uh, working in a hospital, really thought I had it handled. I woke up in that hospital being taken care of one of my, by, by one of my coworkers, I was taken care of in the ICU and then I was downgraded um, and sent to a regular floor and then I transitioned out to, um, to rehab. And in rehab, that didn't stick the first time. I don't think it ever does. <laughs> or I don't know, maybe for some people it does. It didn't for me because I still thought I had it all figured out. And uh, I went to... I decided that missing my daughter's birthday was just absolutely like that was not something I could I could get around I had to leave rehab so I could celebrate her birthday and of course I left bought a handle on the way home from rehab got hammered and couldn't even celebrate her birthday so fast forward two weeks later went back into rehab and then my sobriety date began January 20th and um since then, I've been able to have the grace of being in this program. I have a sponsor. I work the steps. 
my sponsor has a sponsor. Um, I now have sponsees and that's something that's newer for me, uh, for where I'm at in my recovery. And that's lent um, a completely different dimension to my recovery and what it means to like, that really is the crux of this, of this program is having this ability to, um, this is nothing I can pay back. I can only pay it forward. And by working with another alcoholic, that's been something that's really um, underscored the importance of of what it what it means to actually be sober in you know and practice practice all these aspects of sobriety in my life. And I wanted to share a story of something that happened yesterday morning. And I know it's like a little bit more of a, of a share rather than just strictly experience strength and hope in a, in a, in a chair. And uh, you know, I'm out in Colorado right now visiting some family and I went to go see a good friend and we hadn't been in regular touch the way we usually are. It's like a really good friend from childhood. And he's a chef and he's super busy and has a crazy life and is just an eccentric individual who's, you know, among all things like an expert in alcohol, right? A sommelier and also a, a Cicerone. I think that's something around, around like beer ferment the other fermented beverages. Anyway, long story short. So he's just finished opening like, I don't know, he's like seventh restaurant or something like that. And I came by his house and, you know, it's not a thing to, for me to ever like knock or just walk in. And so I did. And I, at first I didn't think he was home because he, he didn't answer at first. But, you know, I, I walked in and I was really surprised to see. And I, I knew he drank, but I was really surprised to see his entire living room and kitchen like littered littered with handles of vodka no sorry i thought i locked myself out of the meeting littered with handles of vodka and i knew he drank but it was like it just instantly flashed me back to those days those times and i still haven't taken really a lot of time to think about like what can I say what can I do and maybe there's not a lot I can say or do and it's living with that helplessness and something that's like really been living in a lot of step one over the last 24 hours and really thinking about that powerlessness and that unmanageability that I saw in my own life and I'm, I'm seeing in somebody that I love dearly this is like the brother to me and it's hard to it's hard to admit and recognize that we don't all get to make it here. We don't all get to be in AA. We don't all get to work a program of recovery and and truly get recovery. And for that, I'm exceptionally grateful. You know, among the gifts that I've received in in sobriety is in freedom. And I think about that sometimes and. The old me is like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. And the truth is I can still do whatever I want. I have freedom of choice today. I don't have freedom from consequences. And that's something that is, you know, sobering to say the least. 
And, um, and so really of, of all of it, uh, recovery means work and thanks. And also recover, but ultimately recovery does mean freedom. Um, so I'm, I know I've got a couple minutes left, but I just really wanted to part with this thought about it's really uncomfortable having to be in this place to, to watch somebody else um, suffer the way they do and not quite know how to approach it. And I hold a few different service positions that I feel like would put me in the place to, to help, like, a, you know, not just for what I do is like my job background, but also, you know, I help with some of the, with the hotlines and with, the chat line and being of service in different areas. And I don't know how to be of service to this friend. Like I'm just, I feel like a deer in the headlights thinking about like, Oh, if I say the wrong thing, if I do the wrong thing, but it's, if I do nothing, that feels so complicit with this, the progression of this disease, you know, just say nothing, do nothing, pretend nothing's actually happening. So um, anyway, I just, I will, part with that because I'm just in a place of contemplation but also gratitude for what I have and even for being able to have this at my doorstep to be able to really like think about what that means to my own recovery and like how I present myself and how I like truly like practice this in you know being in the world um, today anyhow thank you so much and if you are new please 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 get a sponsor please come back please stay and um yeah that's all i've got thank you so much for asking me to to speak laura thank you for letting me be of service my name's charlie i'm an alcoholic uh Thanks, uh, thanks, Laura, for asking me. I love you guys. Um, very proud of you. Uh, my sobriety date is uh, May 29th to or May 23rd, 2019. Uh, cutting my day, my my day is short. Um, that's not my first uh, sobriety date. So let's uh, get with uh, how I got here. Um, I am uh, kid six of seven kids um, that my mom had. She had three. Uh, with another guy and four with my dad. Um, it was uh, all of my siblings uh, were and are drug addicts or alcoholics. Um, none of us escaped. Um, it was a pretty volatile household. Uh, at, at eight, um, I saw my sister overdose on crack. My dad died. Uh, all these things. It was kind of when I, uh, I knew that I... Um, now I know that I was displaying alcoholic behavior. I, I would lash out. I've always been antisocial, violently antisocial. Um, so like in school, like second grade, I'd steal from the teacher. I'd lie about it. Um, I was just, I was just, didn't, I didn't really have too much uh, direction. It was more of, uh, trying to like lash out all the time. And and it was, and it, it just, it crept on, it crept on. I mean, there was, 
Um, when he, when my dad died, it was 1986. Uh, we moved, we were living in Salt Lake City. He moved us to Salt Lake City because my sisters were, they, they ran with uh, Mexican gangs in Long Beach. We're from Southern California. And so my, my, my dad moved us to Salt Lake when I was a child. Uh, I was like three um, to try to get us away from drugs and gangs. And my sisters found it. Um, he died. Uh, we ended up moving to Northern California. Uh, the real Northern California, uh, Willows uh, is where I'm from, uh, is where I grew up. Um, it was very hostile, uh, for me. Um, I went to school. My, my dad was, was not the most politically correct guy. So I was kind of this kid that was not politically correct, uh, in, in a, a predominantly Hispanic, uh, town. So there was a lot of like, from, from like fifth grade, to seventh grade, I had a lot of uh, problems because my attitude, my mouth always got me in trouble, but it led me to, um, it led me to drinking. Uh, um, and, uh, oddly enough, uh, to find my, my, my family at that time, a real family. And that was like a, a bunch of Northenio gang members. They accepted me in, I was a metalhead. Um, Everyone knew that my life, I would come to school beat up by my stepdad. Uh, and then I'd fight any kid that said anything about like the black eye or why I was all bruised up. Um, so, so they took me in because they knew that I'd fight whenever and I liked to drink and do drugs. Um, so pretty much my teenage years uh, were uh, sucked up with, like I had like the five metalhead friends and these like nine Northenio dudes and we just fucked shit up. I mean, uh, we fought every weekend. We drank every weekend. Uh, it was a night. It was legitimately a nightmare. And the, the reason I say that is because this whole time when you're living that kind of life and you're a kid, you're a child. Um, I was already going to jail. Uh, I was already in, in legal trouble parental trouble, school trouble, you name the trouble and it, and it was there. Like if you were going to look back and say, is this, is this person, this young kid, the 17 year old Charlie, does he belong in AA? Fuck yeah, he did. <laughs> he belonged in AA, but way back then in 1995. Um, but that was not the case. I, uh, I did have spouts of like going to um, NA was big in my hometown uh, I did that a bunch, but only because the judge told me I had to, or my mom was like, I'm going to kick your ass out for drinking whiskey and smoking meth. Um, the, 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 my, my, my gang friends, like I never joined, I, I was never part of their shit, but all of their stuff affected me. Um, in 99, my best friend, he was in the gang, uh, we were like, I mean, literally blood brothers. We, we fought, uh, we fought, we drank, we partied, we loved each other. Uh, he was murdered. Uh, he was murdered. It sucked. It sucked. I remember going to his funeral and me and another metalhead dude were sitting there and, and it was invite only. It's all northerners, Northanios are everywhere. And they opened up his casket. And like, at that point, I had never shown any weakness. I'm not a bitch. Uh, I'm not weak. So they opened his casket and me and my friend both started bawling. It's not about the same thing that they're about. We're not about that shit. 
Like, we just lost our our buddy. He's gone because of this shit. Um, I became a hermit. Uh, I became a hermit. Um, it was real easy. Uh, my, my mom had the perfect plan was uh, I, if I drink beer and smoke weed at home, uh, I was 21, uh, everything would be fine. Uh, so I tried to do that. Uh, I tried to do that from 21 to to 25, 26, I pulled it, I pulled it off. You know, I had regular jobs. Um, I helped them pay the rent, all, all that typical stuff. But the second there was a, a moment's window of there's, there's not like any kind of like repercussions or responsibility. I would disappear for weeks. I would disappear for weeks. They wouldn't know where I was. They wouldn't know how to find me. This is, this is all like, I'm an old ass guy. So this is like uh, all before cell phones, before uh, the internet. So if you ghosted, you ghosted. There wasn't no way anybody was finding me. Um, I, I remember like le legitimately people will ask me today of like, oh, do I do CODA? I don't do CODA because <laughs> I'm the reason that CODA exists. Um, my poor mother, uh, like she would search for me and the second she'd find me, she would let me back in the house. She'd give me money. She'd bail me out if I had lost my job. It, it was just the whole typical um, uh, young person who can't get it. And I go to AA. I go to NA and AA meetings uh, uh, sporadically, and, and every time the same thing would happen. I would. I, I'm. I'm one of the, or I was uh, at that time. I was a godless person, uh, and I would look at those steps, and I would see. Uh, multiple times in the steps, there's there's steps talking about God, or you have to depend on God. And I wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't doing any of that. I would make friends, but then I'd be gone. Um, some somehow uh, somehow along all of all of this, like I didn't realize, you know, by twenty seven that when you party like that, when you go that hard, like doing all those drugs, all that shit, um, your body starts to break down. And at 27, uh, I, um, I started passing kidney stones, not knowing it, passing big old kidney stones because I'm fucked up on alcohol and drugs. Uh, I collapsed my fucking urethra <laughs> and, uh, I lived with a catheter for four months when they fixed me. And, and, and found uh, another form of alcohol, and that's uh, the opiate form, and that found its way into my arm. Uh, and when that happened, that's probably the only time where I could say from 27 to 30, um, I didn't drink or do drugs. Uh, but it was because I was dependent on opiates. During that time, uh, I was the biggest pile of shit that you could be to a, a spouse uh the the person that was in my life at the time uh would come home and find needles in my arm and i'm od'd i'm about to die call the ambulance freaking out i'd wake up and what would happen i would be fucking pissed i would be furious that she just didn't let me ride it out or die uh um that like that went on for that went on for several years of, of like me just being the worst person to this person. Um, finally, there was like a line in the sand moment where she was like, 
go to a rehab. My sister's a lawyer, so she was like, call your sister. She'll get you into a rehab. Um, go get help. I, I was like, had like the moment of clarity where I was like, if I'm going to go, she can get me into an SLE. I, I, don't, ha I don't have any time to detox. Uh, I'm too cool for school, so, so using Suboxone or anything like that was not an option for me. I wanted to cold turkey it, and I did. Uh, my first exp I do not do this. If anybody's new here, don't do this. Do not do this. Uh, so I went to an SLE, and I detoxed off of opiates um, in Southside Oroville. If anybody knows about Northern California... Southside Oroville is the East Oakland of Northern California. It's bad. It's gangster. Uh, there's drive-by shootings there. All, all of it. So I went to this. I went to this SLE, and anybody that knows sober living environment, it's not a rehab. There's no closed doors. I was sleeping in a room. I remember the first night that I went in there. Uh, I had uh, black hair. Uh, I woke up the next day with white hair. Um, it was the, the beginning of the most horrible, uh, it should have been the end, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, if there ever should have been an end, uh, that should have been it. Uh, but I, I basically um, detoxed for 17 days. Uh, I started feeling better at day 30 when the phone came. And I was able to talk to, talk to this, this person that probably at this point hated me. Uh, I... Um, I legitimately stepped up and was, was like, oh, I'm better. Uh, the, the sickness is gone. I've, I've done your little meetings. It's enough. You guys don't know me. I'm the shit. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. And I, and I went home and there was a U-Haul van there. And the reason that she wanted me to come home is because she was leaving my ass. And she was taking everything with her. Uh, so here we are. Uh, I actually did the right thing. I, I went right to in, right, right. The NAs in my hometown. It's seven days a week. There's, there's barely any AA there. I didn't even think AA was for me at the time because I'm a dope fiend. Uh, so I, I went to, I went to NA there, uh, there in Willows. I, I, I hung out. Uh, uh, that's what I did. I hung out. I had a sponsor but I didn't work no fucking steps. Uh, I suffered. Um, I did a bunch of cool stuff with them. They were super kind. You know, I, I could never, can never repay that kindness of how low I was on the totem pole. And they treated me like I belonged there. Uh, cause I did, uh, but they knew it. And I just didn't, um, I would pull the, I think I pulled together the longest with them was like 90 days, but I would relapse. And then finally, like, uh, like my biggest bottom, the reason that um, I'm here is this particular incident was um, somewhere along the lines. I started uh, smoking and dabbling with trying to be a drug dealer when you're a super bad addict. Uh, obviously, um, you're a drug dealer with no money <laughs> and uh, you're, you're not. You're not riding that fancy uh, car or nothing like that. You're rolling the pipe. Uh, so um, I was pretty, pretty insane. Um, at this point, I had lost my family's house. I lost the fucking girl. 
uh, all the stuff that was in it. I cracked it off, all of it. Cracking it off, if you don't know, it means I sold all my shit. Uh, so, um, for drugs. So, I, uh, I was screwed. And I, I was so desperate for uh, um, some kind of feeling. Uh, that feeling that I went for was, was, uh, was violence. My cat's going to start yelling right now. Uh, it was violence. So, uh, um, I, I, I just like went on a complete and total tirade of like anybody that said anything to me, uh, I didn't care what size you were. I wanted you to kill me. I wanted you to beat my ass and kill me. Um, I, I did a lot of insane, uh, stupid shit, uh, that I won't really say on a recorded meeting, but, um, let's just say, uh, it caught me, um, uh, several felonies, um, I ended up in, uh, in my county's jail. And at this point, like, uh, I was, I was completely and totally furious. I wasn't, I, I wasn't done. I, I was ready to, uh, some people told on me, I was ready to make them testify and, and they were going to all fucking rat on me and to my face. And then I would plot my revenge to get him when I got out of prison. Um, uh, I kept getting offered a deal. The deal was nine years. Uh, I'm a violent felon. Uh, I have all sorts of uh, nasty fucking charges being affiliated with gangs. So uh, um, when I would go up into court, uh, I never expunged none of that shit. I never got rid of it. I was too busy getting fucked up. So this, uh, all this rap sheet that's right there, it's all there. From 1995, when I went to Juvenile Hall for the first time, all the way to 2010, uh, there's this huge rap sheet, and it looks like this, it, well, because I was, but uh, it looks like an extremely violent person that doesn't give a fuck about anybody, that will take anything from anybody that just doesn't care. Um, I was screwed. Uh, um, I, I acted out in, as such, uh, knowing that I was screwed. I was uh, um, disgruntled and antisocial towards uh, everybody, uh, towards guards, um, towards other inmates. I ended up being locked up by myself uh, in a max pod where there was my northerner homeboys and white supremacists that I fucking hate. So the whole time I was either talking shit to my friends or ragging down these wife beater white supremacists who are not real criminals. And Finally, like, um, a godsend happened to me in jail. Uh, I was, uh, like, go getting to go solo to N.A. Uh, um, they, the guards saw me chop. These guys that come in for H&I for, for N.A., they were my friends. They're my buddies. These guys have known me for years, coming in and out of there. They're laughing, telling the stories, and the, the guards weren't having it. Like, the next day, I got called down to the booking, and they said, uh, you can't go to NA anymore. Um, you're on punishment. You can't, you can't have visitors. That counts as a visit. If you want to go to recovery stuff, uh, AA comes the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday, you'll be called first. And I said, you know, I want it out of my cell. You know, I, I, I just wanted out. And I said, fuck it. I'll do it. Um, so I went and two gentlemen from Chico, um, from H&I in Butte County, uh, came to Glen County, my home, 
uh, they came to that same library the week, the few weeks before I was chopping it up with them and they told me their H and I story and they handed me, uh, this big book. Uh, I, uh, I was skeptical. Um, I didn't really trust anybody, especially like white men. You know, I thought, you know, I, I was a typical person that hung out in, in the street life. I just associated well-dressed white men to being probably narcs. Um, uh, probably by the second meeting, they shared their story. And I found out that they weren't that like, they were, they were just like me, maybe not on the same, uh, like, um, nightmare level, like that. I went like to the very bottom. Uh, but, um, they started talking to me, uh, and then they started explaining this and telling me where to read. Uh, so I wouldn't skip on to no bullshit and accidentally be like, Oh, this ain't for me. And throw it away. Um, so I, I, I remember, um, reading all the examples in, uh, there's a solution, uh, of all the different, uh, men and how they fucked up and, um, what the what their scenarios were um maybe with their jobs i couldn't relate with them but with all of the desperation and all that stuff i start i i could instantly see myself it was and then like they told me to keep reading and as i went on uh there wasn't a part in it even like the family afterwards and to the wives i read that shit and i felt so guilty because <laughs> because i did all of it <laughs> i did all of it uh, it was like, um, very, uh, uh, very like mind, uh, numbing of how much this book, uh, was written for me. And then that, like, that was when I, I it was basically, I did step one and two, you know, I, I, I knew I was powerless over meth and alcohol. I knew that my life was unmanageable. I was in jail. Uh, um, I saw these two men who had done some crazy shit. And who were sane. And I was like, that's right. And they were like, that's one and two. Uh, three, we'll get to three. Um, but right now, like, what, what had happened was um, my sister had pulled some strings. I got like the, the if you're, if you're, if your family member's a lawyer, <laughs> uh, you get the, the easy sentence. I'm sorry for anybody that, that didn't get that. But, um, Fortunately for me, I did. I got a drug court and Salvation Army. Um, I uh, wasn't really a fan of it. Uh, I'm um, I'm I'm a person that that didn't that didn't want to be living in a church, and the Salvation Army was a church. I remember I was like like I got a visit from my mom, and I told her no. Sometimes, if you've seen me on Zoom, I have the picture of when my mom said you better be going to the Salvation Army she took it like illegal picture of me in jail like through the glass and I was telling her to fuck off that I don't know what I'm doing I didn't know if that's how crazy I was I didn't know if nine years or drug court was which is a two-year program with Salvation Army which is six I was going to choose the hard way until finally my sister came my sister's like my my dad like I I didn't really tap into that because it's like it's some some like gangster shit that she taught me from a long time ago. So whatever she's she whatever she's told me, 
I've taken it as serious that she's not fucking around with me. She's not lying to me. She's always been real with me. So when she was like, flat out, you're never going to make it in prison. Uh, you're a white guy that hates white people. How the fuck are you going to go to Susanville? Uh, because that's where they send us up there. Uh, how are you going to go there and not get killed for saying some stupid shit? Um, I was like, oh, um, I can't go to prison. I'll get killed. Uh, and then like that night, I was talking to my, my, my friend who had, this guy had been my friend for like 20 years, but I had only hung out with him like seven times because he'd been in prison his whole life. Um, and he's up, up above me and we're talking through the vent. And he's like, dude, he's like, you're an idiot. He's like, if you go to prison, we're going to put a green light on you. Because <laughs> uh, like all of us would want this opportunity to take it. Uh, so I ended up taking it. Uh, and it was like the scariest, uh, the November 11th, uh, uh, 2011, November 10th, 2011, I, uh, came to the Salvation Army, but I came with like, not with the, the jailhouse, like Christian or anything like that. I said, AA was going to save me, not Jesus. If Jesus was going to save me, he already would have, uh, AA is going to save me. So I came fully focused. Like I, you know, I wasn't supposed to take my book out of the jail. I took it, uh, because I knew that this was going to be my thing now. Um, <clears throat> I did, I did all the, uh, suggested stuff. I, I waited 30 days until I got to go to central office, uh, on 27th street. Uh, our meeting was like good morning America or the five thirties or eight o'clocks whenever, whenever we didn't have program. Um, I went there, I found a sponsor. Um, I started working, working the steps right away. Um, my first fourth step was a nightmare uh, because uh, I had a lot of resentments towards people and I thought I was wronged uh, by a lot of people. But uh, it, it turned out that uh, most of it uh, was uh, all in my head and uh, it was, I was reacting off of uh, fears. And it was the first time that I realized that uh, like, like every time I had been in a fight, um, afterwards, win or lose, afterwards, I would get a <clears throat> crushing feeling that uh, what am I going to do if these people find out that I'm weak, that I'm not, that I'm scared all the time. Uh, I found out that uh, my alcoholic brain uh, pushed me so far into the, uh, into the stream of getting fucked up that um, I allowed that to go on. For, for so long. I remember, uh, like I was still pretty, I was still pretty hostile, like not like towards you guys. Uh, but my sponsor made me redo my four step, uh, cause we would, we would start doing it the fifth step <clears throat> and he was very thorough man. And he would, uh, not, he would hear, he would hear stuff I would say of like other stuff that wasn't on there. And he was like, Oh dude, that's bad. <laughs> It's, you, you got you, you got to make sure that this is like you're not just like giving me half uh so i like had like the 19 page four step it was uh it was the the the, the nightmare but then um i found uh 
like reading it with him in step five and hearing his uh, um, his examples um, really for that virgin air uh, I think that was the that was the moment where I realized that <clears throat> this was um, a we program and that someone else uh, would maybe be able to help see uh, some of my uh, craziness because I'm a little crazy um, things were great. I was like the hardcore Salvation Army uh, uh, guy. I, I I didn't like become a Christian fucking like, like everybody else did, but I, I became an AA person and uh, I would take, I still do it. I, 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 I get a group of people that, that want the same thing that I have or, or I'm seeking and I take them to meetings with me and there were all sorts of rules. When we're walking in the Salvation Army, we're in downtown Oakland I'm a small town country boy. Don't be catcalling. Don't be being offensive. Like there were all sorts of rules of like, we live here, you know, uh, we have to be, uh, we're trying to be productive members of society. That means that we can't act like we used to. And, and those, all those things were, were freaking great. I, I, I did like some hilarious shit. Like I, uh, when I became phase two, they make you read. I think you stand up at the podium and read. Everyone reads a verse out of the Bible I read, uh, I read uh, out of the big book. And it was just like, uh, I, I think I read the promises. Uh, but everybody, I th everybody said that I was getting in trouble, and I did. I, I don't know why. And it was like my higher power just saying I was doing the right thing. Um, <clears throat> a lot of cool stuff happened. I mean, I, I, I met a beautiful woman uh, um, who liked me for me, not because I had a bag. And, uh, um, it was like, uh, kind of the, the weird, uh, <clears throat> um, AA fucking, uh, uh, miracle all happening at once. Um, at nine months, I, I left the, the Salvation Army to, uh, situations that were, uh, um, that were my own. Uh, I, I thought that I could do it. Uh, I was ready. Um, I went, uh, I, I left there. Um, I moved to Alameda. Uh, where my girlfriend lived, um, I started going to Park Street right away. Uh, I met uh, a few, I like went to a candlelight meeting and I met three men that changed my life, uh, that taught me um, pretty much the way I am uh, today is because of those three dudes. So I went in there and it's, uh, it, was, it was a candlelight meeting. There's three of us in there. Uh, we become buddies. Instantly they're like, Come to the Allen Fellowship at 12.15. We got something for you. So I go there, and boom, I got a secretary spot. Uh, they, they put me right to work. Um, uh, one of the guys, he passed away, so I'll say his name. His name's Tim L. Um, he, uh, he was, like, really um, influential on, like, me uh, getting a grasp on my story is hardcore. And a lot of the stuff I've done, most of you have it. Um, I needed to lower the bar. Uh, I needed to lower the bar because if I was trying to set, if you guys were as re as hardcore as me, that was done. Um, when he when he did that, that was when like going to any meeting anywhere uh, became possible. Um, in 2014. Uh, I had like the typical um, pink cloud uh, relapse. 
uh, on pills. Uh, I chronically pass kidney stones, even health. Um, and like I, I was, I had like a brief, uh, comeback. I got like a year and then, um, and then my, my sister died in, uh, in 2016 and it crushed me. She was like the, she was the good one. She was the more, she was like the Mormon that stayed in Salt Lake. Uh, she was on, uh, pills and died from detox and it crushed me uh, and not for the reason that you think uh the reason is is i'm suicidal uh i want to die uh this is this existence is horrible and miserable to me uh i was so jealous that she like i did the same thing i detoxed and i fucking lived and then she like doesn't even make it four days and dies um I couldn't take it. Uh, I, I, had, I had relapsed uh, again. Uh, I came back. Um, I tried to force as much God into my life. Um, uh, but for me, like now that we're like starting to round down the different time here, you know, for me, this is when I started to realize that um, dependence on uh, a higher power steps and the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous was going to be the only way that I stayed, uh, sober. Um, so I came back and I tried to do the thing where you go do service at meetings and you try to, and you try to do service for people outside non-alcoholics. Right. And, uh, it wasn't fulfilling for me for, it, it must mean that I'm a real alcoholic. That's what I've been told. Uh, because, doing service for normal people it's cool and it's like i'm a dog groomer i i get to help people all the fucking time uh, it's cool but it only lasts about that that long, that long uh for me uh so my like my, i i stretched i stretched almost three years together it was it was like the the most beautiful like the 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 I'll, I'll tell you about, about the, 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 the days before I relapsed. I, I, I was in Glasgow, Scotland. We were, uh, we were me and my girlfriend, we were going to go uh, see the, um, the European games. They're doing cycling through Glasgow. And there's an AA meeting. And we were like, okay, she'll stand there, have some coffee, do whatever she's going to do. I'll go to this hour and a half AA thing. We'll meet up go get a haggis burrito and chill went to the AA meeting um people in glasgow speak a uh, very weird english it's not really english uh, you can understand most of it but i understand like all the aa uh, terminologies that they threw in there but it was it was very like surreal being there and like hearing them and then when i s spoke the reaction of like oh man you're the shit like not expecting like like my crazy uh like straightforward aa view uh as being like worldly i guess it was um we wa i walked out of the the aa meeting after the hour and a half i was walking down the street to meet my girlfriend and there's one of my heroes walking down the street uh like i freaked out i fanboyed up uh we got we like i got a picture with him uh we got to the burrito place I got the haggis burrito in my hands, the gray gloomy clouds of Glasgow, Scotland part 
the fucking sun shines down on my girlfriend and my burrito, and it's like, oh, this is God. This is great. But uh, um, life, uh, the way life works, this 24-hour thing is that we can't rest on our victories. We can't rest on our failures. We can't, we can't live yesterday. And I tried to. Uh, I came home. We came home after, like, we missed our flight. Uh, I'm a security risk. So uh, we found out the hard way that when we're flying in Europe, because uh, all the European airlines want to double check me to make sure I don't got no bombs on me. Uh, um, because I had this, uh, this special security I had to go through. We missed our flight. We get home and another one of my sisters died. Uh, my, the, the sister that OD'd on, on crack is, uh, uh, in 1986 is, um, is dying from heart failure and she still died. And, but, I, but it, like it, it really crushed me. It crushed me. Um, uh, I, I at that point, I was not spiritually fit enough to handle that kind of shit. And I went out hard. Uh, I went out hard. Um, I didn't think that I was coming back. Um, I mean, how I came back was legitimately uh, when you go to enough meetings and you do enough of the stuff, um, you guys' voices uh, ended up in my head. And uh, I went mildly insane from doing uh, an excess amount of stuff. And I ended up, uh, I ended up coming back. <clears throat> I ended up coming back. I went back to the Island Fellowship. I scared the shit out of him. I was planning on killing myself. Um, if I didn't, uh, if I didn't get clean and sober this time, I was going to kill myself. I, um, I, I went, I, I went directly to the late show. Uh, I, I had a sponsor crush. <laughs> on my sponsor. I knew he was going to be my sponsor. Uh, we got to work. Uh, I had my four step done in seven days. Uh, I was, I was ready. Um, but this time, uh, most people, when they do four and five, uh, they start tripping about eight and nine for me this time. Uh, um, six and seven are really fucking important to me and I don't feel like they should be brushed off. Uh, because I carry around resentments, even towards people that didn't do shit to me, uh, like my sisters that passed away and died. Um, so uh, for, for this time around, like getting my fourth step done and my fifth step done, it was because I was like planning on letting go of this. I was planning on doing six and seven every day, every day until these resentments were gone. Um, I did not have like a perfect, like the first six months was rough. Uh, I was trying to not be uh, aggressive again, and I was. Um, it was like every every trick in the book to try to get things uh, going my way. Um, all of them landed back onto um, uh, doing doing what's what is in this. Where where um, if uh, every night um, I do a ten step. Um, Every, every single day, whenever need be, I do a 10 step. Uh, that's, and, and, and like for the way I do it, I do it the way it says in the book, uh, where, uh, I do this, I do the writing. Um, I see if I need to make an amends. Uh, I call another alcoholic, not necessarily my sponsor, another alcoholic who may have more experience than me in this situation. And, 
uh, I pray on the outcome. Uh, and I pray for acceptance and tolerance towards that outcome, no matter what it is. Uh, and then, and then the, 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 the service part. And that's like, I go to uh, one of the biggest, even before Zoom, like, like the late show and like the Island 1215. There's a lot of people at those meetings, like in real life. So like I would go, I would go there, get a bunch of new, get, get all any new person's number and I can call them. And the other trick for like my 12 step uh, stuff is I, I, I call people that I know are really fucked up so they can vent and I can help with any kind of like advice from myself. Um, this is, this is not like an overnight thing. Uh, I have completely and totally, uh, um, destroyed everything, uh, multiple times, uh, uh, because I was resistant to God and I was resistant to letting go of the past. Um, like, like the last thing I'll end it with, uh, uh, two weeks ago, um, I get a, I get a message and it is from one of my friends back home. And it's a, it's a, a story of the guy that murdered my friend, um, uh, about his parole hearing. And I, uh, I had like a super panic attack where I was like, Oh fuck, he's going to get out. And then I like opened up the article and I read it and Gavin Newsom, uh, um, denied him parole for the rest of his life. Uh, he got found with heroin in prison and had a super bad, uh, uh, charges added to like his life sentence. And, uh, something weird happened to me that, um, I would not have told you 20 years ago that this would happen. I felt, um, I honestly prayed for that dude, uh, because he's one of us. Um, no matter what he did to my friend, uh, he belongs, he, I hope he's in the rooms and that's the gift of AA. Um, I'm not saying you're going to like have some horrible shit happen and you're just going to forget that shit overnight. Uh, it's not going to happen like that. And uh, none of this stuff happens overnight and it only happens if you do it. Uh, if your sponsor, if you think your sponsor isn't working the steps, the way you should be doing it, it's probably because you're trying to do it your way. Uh, shut up and listen. Uh, do the work. Uh, none of this is going to hurt you. It's going to relieve you of the bondage of your own self and make you God-centered. And that's like, no, no matter what we do, no matter what we do, it's, it's, for, it's for the sake of, of AA's fellowship. It's for the sake of AA's traditions. Uh, I kept this very PG-13 because uh, it's being recorded. <laughs> and I'm not trying to like uh, be like hardcore or too hardcore, but um, I really, I don't know all of you, but I love all of you. Um, this works, uh, get a sponsor, work the steps. If you don't have sponsees, get sponsees, work them through the steps. That's how this stays alive. And, uh, if you're, uh, going to in-person meetings, uh, I'll be at rockers at 10 30 AM on Mondays at secretary. Come on over. I always have badass speakers. Thanks guys. There's the plug. <laughs>